from here to there. We cannot go unless we change and start to grow. Welcome to Lead, Sell, Grow, a show that helps you amplify your leadership, grow your sales, and take your life to the next level, all while being human. Here are your hosts, Eric Konovalov and Harry Spate. We're good. Eric, we are thrilled to have with us the world-renowned Monty Peterson in the house today. And Monty is all about execution management. Now, Eric, I know you're wondering. You and I both struggle with execution at times. We have great dreams and visions. But Monty was kind enough to send me a little definition of execution, which is aligning the daily tasks and activities of everyone on a team with the strategic objectives of the organization. And man, businesses need this today. So a quick uh, summary of Monty's background. He spent a few decades uh, working with companies like Aramark and Sodexo, uh, great names in business. And then uh, he reached a point in his career where he wanted to spend some time helping others uh, learn what he's learned and maybe avoid some of the mistakes he's made uh, really in driving uh, better execution among businesses. So Monty, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Harry. Great, um, great intro. You, you, you did that well. I appreciate that. And, and, and Eric, great, great to uh, meet and, and talk with you as well. You guys are, you guys are doing a great thing. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Monty. Yeah, we totally appreciate you guest, uh, being a guest on our show. Uh, so, Monte, tell us a little bit about this, you know, execution management. I know businesses all say we need to execute better. What is it that you do to actually help companies where they can really uh, take hold of that and make some measurable progress? Probably the easiest way to capture that is to say that I help organizations discover execution and, and, and what it's all about. Um, most companies, uh, I mean, there, there are organizations out there that, that do this rather well on their own. Usually I find them to be legacy companies, family owned businesses that, you know, have been in it for a long, long time. And there's been consistent ownership and leadership through, through a certain period of time. Those companies tend to know their business and, you know, they, they understand change and they, they pivot when they need to and, and they do pretty well. But when you get out into the mainstream of American business, and I, and I would imagine this, this is, you know, a globally, global impact as well. Organizations have a lot of, um, they have a lot of change in terms of leadership. They have a lot of change in policies, you know, regulatory thing. I mean, there's so many things that come at major businesses that, they're just always in flux and it seems like they can never settle in and, you know, and, and be comfortable. So, so really what I, what I do is I give organizations a system and process as a way of controlling their business and understanding where it's at at any given time. And, and that's probably the simplest way, way to put it that, um, you know, I help them, I help them implement their strategy, obviously, but in, inside of that, I help them, understand what's happening to them and how they can best kind of drink from the fire hose sort of thing, right? You know, you've got all these different issues coming at you and, you know, how, how do you, how do you handle those? How do you deal with them? How do you, how do you get the results that you're looking for? You know, when you're, you know, when you're constantly having, 
you know, alligators biting at your, at your hips. So um, that's, that's sort of the, uh, that's sort of the simplistic view. Hey Monty, without going into, you know, client details, could you tell us, like kind of give us an idea of a last challenge you helped solve? What type of client was it? What were they facing? And you know, what happened in that case? Uh, well, one of my clients, and, and again, I worked for, you know, 35 plus years in, in higher education. And so um, it just stands to reason I have, I have several higher education clients. And one of my higher education clients who who's, uh, runs their, the campus auxiliaries, they're, they're really the, um, the department that has all of the, the, the profit making ventures on campus. So that's food service, housing, parking, um, you know, bookstore, thing, things like that. Rent shop, uh, yep. Yeah, so, so anyway, one particular client, for example, um, had six different organizations merged into one. So basically he had to take six disparate groups and make them one operating team and unit. And, you know, they, they employed, you know, the system that I use and, um, you know, have had some really, really good success with it. Um, and, and, and I mean, at least I, w- I would say that. I mean, we're, st- we're still a work in progress, but, you know, he was in a situation where um, all of these groups were kind of like, you know, they were kind of built into the bureaucracy. And, you know, he kept saying, you know, we've got to learn how to say yes, because, you know, we're here to serve, you know, this institution and, nobody wants to, nobody wants to say yes. They just, you know, they just want to run their things the way they like them, you know, and that's just natural, right? Human nature, we get comfortable, you know, we, we like to do things the easy way. And, um, but that's not necessarily how you, you know, how you survive a challenge today. So that, that's probably one of the more recent ones that comes to memory, Eric. Wow. That's, that sounds like a pretty big task. How, um, how do you typically measure success? Um, well, organizationally, we, we measure it by what we call um, foundation data. And, and foundation data is simply um, the strategic initiatives that we annually set and, and then really the, the culture of the organization. You know, what's our mission? What's, what's our vision? Um, you know, what are the core behaviors of the organization? So, so the whole idea behind um, foundational data is that if we hit our strategic initiatives, if we live our mission, if we're, if we're, you know, moving forward towards our vision and we adhere to our core behaviors, then, then we're going to have a successful year. Um, because if you do all those things right, then more than likely, you know, the profit motive, you know, slides right along, you know, in, in, the, in the same direction. So, so really that's, that's how we define success for an organization. On, on an individual level, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it really comes down to, um, how that person performs inside of that, you know, inside of the, the whole process. How, you know, how, did you hit your goals? How, how did you do on your primary job responsibilities? How is your relationship, you know, with your manager and your, you know, and your peers? Um, you know, it, it, again, same thing with there. If all those, if all those indicators are positive, then, you know, chances are that, that, that employees, you know, not only engaged and a loyal employee, but, you know, they're, they're going to have a good year. Um, you know, personally. So you bring it down to the employee level, it sounds like then? Yeah. And and that's really key, Harry, because, 
you know, managing at an individual level is how it happens. I mean, you can, you know, in my mind, organizations don't really do anything, right? I mean, you can make the case that, you know, you aggregate finances and, and outcomes and, you know, you can say, yeah, this year, this is what, this is what our, our company did. But in reality, it's people that do everything. And so you need to be able to take this down to a level where they understand it and where they understand, number one, how they contribute to the success of the organization. And, and number two, um, just, just, you know, when they, when they know that part, you know, they, they, feel, they feel totally accomplished and, and know why they do what they do. Um, and and those, are just, those are just, you know, really powerful things when, you know, when, when you can get them to people. So, yeah, so get, getting it down to the individual is, is really key because you're ultimately you're breaking the strategy apart and you're sending the pieces out to different parts of the organization to accomplish. And, you know, most people are out there working every day and they have no idea how they're connected, you know, to oh the success. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the, you, you just said two very profound things, you know, so people have feeling part of the organization and know why they're doing what they do. I think books have been written about that stuff. So a how, lot of books. <laughs> so how, how do you do that, right? So, I mean, if you look at the size of an organization, so what really baffles me at this moment are all the people that are just doing their daily tasks, minding their own business, and then, you know, the corporate president or whoever is saying we need to execute better and the end the those folks the employees are saying what what's he talking about i do my stuff every day right so do you guys have conversations with the individual employees or i mean i'm just curious as to how that could possibly work it's really uh, interesting to me yeah it's it's really about creating a cultural framework for for change and, and within our framework um, for executing, we, um, we bring it down to where we establish what's called a, perf a performance agreement with, with every employee. And a performance agreement is nothing but a collaboratively developed agreement between a manager and a direct report that says, here's your primary job responsibilities. These are the, these are the four or five things that not only I, but the organization counts on you doing in order for you to be successful in your role. So, so really that kind of covers the day to day. And then, and then we also set up goals and tasks inside of a performance agreement. And the goals and tasks are over and above your primary job responsibilities, um, but they are connected to the objectives of, of the department or if you're up high enough, obviously the, the you know, the strategic initiatives of, of, of the company. And so you're basically creating a document that's an agreement that's, that, that's ironclad. I mean, this is, this is collaboratively developed. The manager sits down with the direct report and they work this out every year. And then, and then what's real, real critical to the whole process, and, and again, this is, this is really where the execution occurs. Those two people sit down every 30 days and that agreement is the basis for about a 45 to 60 minute conversation about how that person's doing. It, it, it's completely focused on that employee. So, you know, we, we've all seen organizations, right, where we get a set of goals at the beginning of the year and then maybe the next time that you talk about them is when, you're, you know, when your performance appraisal comes up and somebody's got to figure out whether they're going to give you a raise or promote you or, you know, keep you in the same job. 
um, you know, which, which is nuts uh, because we know how much a business changes over the course of a few weeks. What about 12 months? Um, so, 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 so people have this, this agreement and this agreement basically allows us to monitor and measure that employee's performance. We can, we, we can measure, you know, how they're doing against their daily responsibilities and then how they're doing against their goals and, and, you know, moving it towards the, the objectives of the company. And the greatest thing about this is that it tells an individual two things every 30 days, where I stand with my manager and where I stand with respect to the organization and its, and its success. You know what? And, and if you're an employee working for somebody, that's really all you want to know, right? You know, how am I doing? And, and, you know, what else can I do to do better? And that's, you know, so, so I, I think you'll get the sense guys that when I'm talking to you about this, that, that there's this accountability piece and, and, again, it begins to sound a little bit big brotherish, right? And that, you know what, we, you know, it's like, oh, you have this signed document and you know, we don't sign the documents, but we obviously agree to them. But it's, we really call it general accountability. It's really just putting parameters in place that can be, that can be met and adhered to and people can understand and it can be used as a guidepost. Because really, to me, a progress meeting is really the manager's opportunity to sit down and help that person succeed. Um, because inside of execution management, when you're a leader, when, you know, when you manage some or several, you know, several people, um, you own those people and you own their mistakes, you own their successes. If they don't succeed, you don't succeed in my book, you know, so, so really you've got them, you've got them building this collaborative partnership that they're working on and they're, and they're constantly focused on what it is you have to do. So, you know, people think being a leader is a great thing because of, you know, title or rewards or, you know, a corner office or whatever. But if, if you really looked at it on the surface, no one would want to be a leader because all of a sudden you, you, just, you just took on your, your job and probably the job of five or six other people. And if you took it seriously, you know, you would, you would have that amount of work. Um, to, to really do it well. How do you define leadership, Monty? Um, leadership, in my mind, and I, I, I don't know if you guys know um, of John Eads. John's um, the CEO of LearnLoft, and, and he wrote a book here recently called Building the Best. It got released in 2019, but um, John's definition is the one that I use, and that's um, serving empowering and inspiring um, others in order to make them successful over an extended period of time. That's great. What a great definition. So you're in higher ed, right? Uh, or well, that's, you have clients. It's one of you my was. markets. Sure. Gotcha. So I'm curious, you know, you talk about business strategies. What's a good, what's an example of a business strategy for a higher education uh, organization? Um, you know, that, that, that's an interesting question because generally I don't, I don't get really heavily involved in, um, in strategy development for organizations. Most of the time, um, they do a pretty good job on their own. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the piece of this that's not puzzling. I mean, most of these, I mean, and there are, there are, there are literally hundreds of thousands of dusty binders on shelves that prove it. Um, you know, people write these 
really great documents, but then they just, you know, they just don't know how to, to implement them. But, but, but just to answer your question, I would say, um, you know, it, it kind of all comes back to the, you know, to the customer focus. If, if everything is designed with the, you know, with the customer in mind and the experience, you know, of the guest or, you know, whoever, whoever you serve, um, that's, that's probably, you know, a, a pretty meaningful strategy. If it's, you know, if it's kind of corporate speak and gobbledygook and, you know, convoluted and nobody understands it or nobody can repeat it on the team, then, then you know, you've probably got a piss poor strategy. But, um, you know, mo most of the ones I find in the organizations I work for, um, they, they do a very good job of it. Okay. So, you know, they have this strategy and then boom, 2020 comes with everything fun that it brought. Do they change the strategy or what have you seen happen after COVID hit? It, it, it does change the strategy because all of a sudden you're, you're in the middle of a 12 month plan that all of a sudden has become compressed or, or changed, or you've had to deviate in the way you do business. And um, the, that's the nice thing about um you know, having an execution management system in place because my clients, when that hit, a lot of them really never skipped a beat because they knew that they just had to, you know, sort of redirect and they went into their performance agreements and, you know, goals got rewritten, uh, job responsibilities changed. I mean, some people's total, you know, their jobs totally changed. They were assigned to a completely new area because of, you know, a need that arose because of the pandemic. Um, so realistically, um, you know, because you're so immersed in what it is you do and how you do it, um, you know, it was very easy for them to, you know, to, to redirect and, and start, you know, start, you know, doing something different and looking at, at things in, in different ways. Now, some obviously laid people off and retrenched a little bit, um, but, you know, the enterprise was still there and they, they still had to, you know, work. And, you know, as you all probably knew, you know, working through the remote piece, you know, made it difficult because all of a sudden, you know, you weren't physically connected anymore um, so other than, you know, by sight, I guess, by video. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's posed an interesting challenge, but from, you know, from my perspective, and granted, I, I am biased, um, people who have things aligned and in place, and they're fairly autonomous in what they do, um, survive this a lot better than, than people who didn't. Oh, 100%. So the question becomes, and you know, I, I work with a couple of companies that we help their sales teams out. And this happened. Now they're uh, inside salespeople who are used to sitting there and receiving phone calls while the phone stopped ringing, the same leader said, okay, now I need you to go out and get the business. So they shifted their strategy, but they had the wrong people for it. The same people that were picking up the phones weren't the same ones that were going to be good at going out and cold calling or bringing the, you know, bringing business in the door. They're good at accepting the business that's coming in the door. So what do you think companies can do there to be able to pivot and shift and, and, you know, be ready for, to make sure they have the right people for their strategy, right? 
Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think if you look at it, um, there's probably a significant amount of retraining that occurred for everybody. And, and, and again, in your sales example, I'm not, I'm not I mean, most, most people who can pick up a phone can knock on a door, can, you know, go, go see somebody or, um, you know. These are inbound, inbound kind of, you know, they're picking up the phones because the phones are ringing. They're not the ones out oh, I see calling out. Right, right. So, I mean, so just this concept, right? I like what you're saying here is that business have changed. So I, I think of the Mike Tyson line that uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Uh, so let's say 2020 was a big punch in the mouth for a lot of people. So you have these companies that are set up a certain way, like in Eric's scenario where he describes that maybe a sales department is picking up the phone and then wait a minute, no one's calling anymore. So now we need this team to refocus or, rest or come up with a new strategy so that they actually do things that were different than before. Is that kind of where you're going with that, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, so how does that, how do you, how do you work with that? Right. I mean, cause I think what Monty have, said is retraining, right? I yeah, love it. There you go. I like that yeah. retraining well, concept. Yeah. And it's, and it's this, um, it's this idea of going back and restructuring what you're doing. I mean, you, you, you're right. Eric, you may not have the right people. And that that's obviously a, a human capital issue that, that you, need, you need to deal with. But all of a sudden, I mean, I think there's a lot of businesses that found themselves reinventing themselves during during the pandemic. And, and again, if you if you know the steps, I mean, if you work it forward, you can certainly work it backwards. Um, you, you can go back to your strategic objectives and say, okay, Here's what we've got to do to survive this. And so all of a sudden those drive, you know, those become the major initiatives. And, you know, at that point, you're basically looking to disseminate those through, throughout the organization. So you've got to figure out, you know, what, what components, what, what people, what, what departments are going to do what, and then just, you know, change the assignments. And, and um, you know, in, in, a, in a traditional organization, that would just be, leadership going to a, a group of vice presidents or directors and saying, okay, here's, here's our strategy. Here's how it's changed. Here's what you need to do. You're totally, you're totally dependent, you know, on the energy and the drive of the people below them and how well they're going to do that. But with, with execution management, you basically have this system in place that, that tells you, you know, okay, here's what we were doing. Here's, here's what we need to do. And you go from, you know, you go from before to after pretty quickly because of it. Got it. So what, what problems, uh, if people are experiencing or if organizations are experiencing blank problem, um, that's when they need to call you. What's the problem or what's the challenge they're facing? Um, usually, the, usually the challenge they're facing is that they, they really don't understand how to get the results that they're looking for. I mean, it, it's really kind of how do we, you know, how do we get from X to Y by Z? Um, in what area are we talking? In in finances and expenses and sales, all the above. It, it, it could it could be anything. Um, generally, the generally the person I get a call from is basically the the leader who says, um, 
we really run hard every day. We work our tails off. Um, I'm and, and a few other select people are holding up the team. And if one or two of us are gone at any certain point in time, um, things, things don't get accomplished. And, and, the, and then some of them even go to the extent of saying, you know, if, if I drop away, we'd, we'd be closing the doors within four to six months. So, so really generally they're just, they're just frustrated because, you know, they've gotten into business um, because they, they love something, you know, they had an idea or concept and, and they loved what they did and they did it very, very well, but, but they, they just didn't, you know, they, they lack the understanding of, of some formal business structuring and, you know, how you, how you can make, you know, groups and teams work together. I mean, a lot of it is, a lot of it is leadership. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, getting people to, you know, to work together well and to understand what, what, what you're trying to do as a team, putting that team first and then having everybody work, you know, work towards that. So, so gen yeah, generally it's just, uh, companies that, that have, um, just have a level of frustration and disorganization with the way they're, they're, they're doing things. And, and they just, they have, they just haven't seen, seen a clear way, you know, to, you know, what it is they do. Got it. Awesome. Is there a common kind of common running theme that you notice amongst organizations? Theme in, in what regards, I guess. Like, you know, they're like, they're saying, hey, I have this uh, business objective, these strategic initiatives we're trying to hit, we're not hitting them. I feel like if I fall off, we're shutting the doors in six months. And is there a, you know, is there a symptom there that you're seeing? Or is there a main problem in, in running through these organizations that's very similar? Um, you know, I would just tell you that it's just, it's just basic human nature, right? These people got into business because they love what it is they, you know, they, they do. And, and they only know the way they were brought up or the way they were taught. And so they just haven't had the exposure um, to help them get outside of, you know, their comfort zone and what's, what's probably holding them, you know, them, them back. Um, because, uh, because I look at execution management as, um, exposing leadership to reality. So when I go in, I basically, one of the first thing, I mean, I, I run every leader through a, through a pilot process. It takes like four or five weeks and I basically run them through execution management end to end and basically say, if you can survive this and you get through this and you still feel like you're committed to this, then, then we should do it. If, if you don't, then we shouldn't because it'll, it'll just be wasting your time and, and, and my time. Um, and, and, and the nice thing about doing that is they, they understand all of a sudden, you know, things start to, things start to click and, and they, 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 they start to see it. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's progress being made because if really, you guys know good organizations when, when you have a committed leadership group, right? They're, they're willing to just about do anything. And, and when you, you know, when you see that happen, all of a sudden that that's when change occurs, that that's when people understand it. So, so exposing, um, 
reality. I, I just tell them, I say, you got to be prepared for this because we're going to surface every problem and issue that you have. And some of it's not going to be very pretty and, and, and it's going to suck to have to deal with it, but we're, but we're going to do it. And, and that's what, um, that's what this does. It, you know, you, you cannot help. And again, there's some elements here. You have to be committed. You have to have people be honest and sincere. You have to build trust and respect, you know, between all levels of the organization. You have to do a lot. But if, but if you do that, then those things are going to bubble to the surface and you're going to be able to effectively deal with them and get rid of that frustration and get rid of the, the disorganization and, and, you know, people kind of going, you know, in their own directions the way they want to do because no one's managing them. Wow. Who's so, responsible oh, for identifying the problem? Sorry, Harry. Um, you know, really, really anybody. Um, and it's, it's the same way with, um, with leading. Um, basically, anybody can lead from any level of any organization. And it, and it may not be leadership in the, in, the, um, in, the, in the way we know it and we understand it. Um, but if somebody sees something that's wrong, um, they're taught. They're taught to bring it forward. You know, we we've got to we've got to get this out into the open, and we've got to deal with it because obviously, if we don't, it's going to have a negative impact, and and somebody or something along the the line is going to suffer as a result, whether it's an employee or a customer. Um, so yeah, so I I would say it's everybody's responsibility, um, but it's it's everybody's responsibility to surface things, but really in terms of making the decisions that change those, those problems or, or, you know, move outcomes in a different direction, that's leadership's role. And, you know, the nice thing about the system that I use is that the software, and this is, this is really where the software comes in, Eric, where it's really important is it, it aggregates all of this data. So I call it the data actionable intelligence, right? So, when you have these progress meetings and you're scoring and you're rating these people every, um, every 30 days and they're, they're commenting and they're adding notes and, and they, they put project work in it. And so, so really when it comes to the end of the year, you have this compilation that's, you know, basically time stamped and sequenced where you know exactly what happened with each, you know, with every goal, each step of the way you know, over the course of the year. So you can go back and say, yeah, here's where we screwed up. This is where we went off the rails. You know, if we, if we hadn't done this, then we probably, you know, would have succeeded faster. Um, or, or just the opposite. You can say, oh yeah, this is, this is where we lost it. And it, it just spun out of control. We need to do this differently next time. No organizations have that. And, you know, unless you have a bunch of copious note takers, you know, who are willing to put it all down on paper or write it in their computer and log it. And, and, you know, then people, even if you got all that information, people wouldn't know how to, you know, how to consume it and how to, you know, chew it up, digest it and spit it out in a usable format. Right. So, you know, a couple things come to mind. What, when you do this, Monte, what are some of the hard decisions that need to be made when you have your reviews, maybe after, is it quarterly when you're dealing with a business owner or like, so once you're up and running, yeah, yeah, when are I, you I, having those reviews and what are some of the difficult decisions need to be made? Um, I go on site three or four times a year. So it really is almost a quarterly, you know, occurrence where, um, 
and, and there's two things that I do. I mean, the, the nice thing about um, retaining me in the system and, and what I do is you can continue to run your business. I'll make sure that I embed the system and the practices into the organization. So basically I, I, I can have full access to the organization. I can monitor everything that happens inside the system. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of what I do is I analyze the data and I go back and I tell leadership. Um, and, and again, the, the way, the way the system's set up, um, the CEO or the senior executive has a progress meeting every 30 days with me. So I, I, I set them up on a performance agreement. So, you know, when, when I really tell a, a senior executive or CEO that you're, you're going to do everything that your people do, they do it. Um, because, you know, they're having that meeting with me and I'm basically going through their goals and their responsibilities and, and uh, you know, keeping, keeping them honest. But, but another big part of that is what you're talking about is if I see something, um, I point them in that direction. I, I definitely can look at certain things and say, here's, you know, here's an issue that you probably ought to be aware of, you know, something you want to, you want to check out because it, 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 it takes a while, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you have your day job and then you have all of a sudden you have this system and you have all of this information coming in and, and, you know, you could literally sit and spend hours kind of going over it. So over time, you know, I just urge them to kind of get, get more and more into it. And then they'll, they'll get smart and they'll see where to look and they'll understand where to go and where to find things. And, and they'll, they'll get much more efficient at it. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to see. Um, I mean, you can get into these progress meetings and you can tell where there's conflict. You can tell, you know, where the, where the, the dialogue that's happening, or, or maybe there's no dialogue happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can tell how people rate people. I mean, there are just, so, so, so realistically, ideally, you'd want every department leader to be able to look at their people. And the way that the way this, the, the security of the system resides is, you know, a president would see the whole organization, the vice president would just see their, their, their own agreement, and then their area. So if you can get all of those, you know, directors and VPs to look at their area objectively and, and manage it. Um, well, that's got to be easy. <laughs> yeah. Then you, then you've got more than just the, the boss. Right. Working, but, working on the problems. Right. So, I mean, looking at it, things objectively, I mean, that's the human element, right? The idea of, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned early on is, even before we started recording, you said that you've learned from your mistakes uh, in the past and that you want to share some of the things that you've learned and that are better. So do people, do you use that part of your personality to get the people who may not want to look at themselves objectively? I've got to believe that not everyone wants to look at themselves objectively. So that's the spot I'm starting from. So does your background help rein them into the mission of where you're coming on board, not claiming that you know everything, but there are times in your life where you didn't know everything and you needed to learn. Are you following that? Yeah, I, I am. And it's, it's an interesting question because um, it, it, it's something that you, something that you struggle with when you do something for a long, long time, as long as I did, you really have some, 
some biases, right? Some concrete opinions on how things should be done. And so I, I really try hard to guard against handing out advice. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that if I, if asked, I won't give it. Um, but really, execution to me is about discovery, and um, I'm really more of the mindset of of a coach, you know, where I'm trying to point somebody in a direction where they learn, you know, and they understand it because then then I know they've got it. Um, if I if I if I go out there, I mean. It, I mean, again, it's human nature, right? We're wired to try and fix people, right? Our, our kids screw up. What do we do? You know, right. we tell them what we would have done, you know, and, and then you kind of run into the other room. Um, it, it doesn't work, uh, you know, unless, unless you're open, you know, and receptive to the change and to what, you know, what, what people are saying, you're, you're not going to get it. You're not going to do it. And you're not, you're, you're, you know, chances are, you know, the problem's going to persist, um, so really, you, you've got to set them up to be able to do it on their own. And, and that's, that's really more along the lines of what I try to do. So when you come into an organization, Monty, do you, is, is their biggest challenge that they have this uh, you know, strategic objective they're trying to hit, but they don't know how to get there? They don't know what steps to take and how to execute on that plan? Or maybe they don't even have a plan and you kind of take that big goal, break it down into actionable steps items and assign kind of roles to each action is that yeah yeah so and it happens both ways that that, that you mentioned some some may have a plan but you know they could be so far off after a month or two they just they just ignore it and then and then some have a plan that's in place and they and they they really try to come back to it and, and work to it but it's exactly that eric they haven't um they haven't broken it down into strategic pieces and distributed it, you know, effectively throughout, throughout the organization. And so we have a, there's a, there's a meeting process um, that we use whereby we basically have the leadership team develop the strategic initiatives for the organization. Okay. This is what we want to accomplish. And then, you know, we, we involve the next layer of the organization. We say, okay, here's, here's what we're going to achieve this year. How do you see yourselves contributing to it? What, you know, what do you think, you know, your team can do and, and, and what don't you like about it? Okay. Cause we, we try and take it from, from both sides. And then, and then they go back, you know, again, using a division of EP or a director level, they go to their people and they say, okay, Here's the strategic initiatives for the organization. Let's let's talk about this. You know, how can we impact this? What do you think we can contribute? And so, you know, you work your way down through the organization, but then it but then it comes back. Um, it sort of cycles back to the leadership team and says, "Okay, we like this. We think we can do this, but we're really scared of this. We don't we don't want any part of it." And and what that what that serves to do is it roots out all of the duplication of service, duplication of effort, it gets everybody aligned in terms of what the organization's doing. And it sets, it sets clear objectives that those director level people can then write effective goals for their people with and, and get them focused on, you know, on the right things. And, and again, you know, it, it's, it's really important that this is another thing that I do in my role is that a lot of times 
the, the strategy gets released and nobody knows what it means at their level. So it's really, really important that that VP or area department head is able to effectively translate that strategy at that level. Meaning, you know, if you make widgets and, you know, it's making 150,000 a day, um, if, that's, if that's what they understand, that's the level you have to break it down to in order for them to, you know, to really grasp it and, and understand it and, and, you know, do it. Have you ever seen an organization just set a really crappy initiative <laughs> and strategy? Yeah, every year um, <laughs> people do it. Well, yeah, I was thinking like companies like Blockbuster and Toys R Us, right? I mean, <laughs> they had a strategy their last year. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the right one. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things you learn is that, you know, this is, you know, you take on execution, it's, 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 a, it's a new effort. I mean, it's a, it's a cultural shift and, and, you know, so you're, you're trying to teach people how to write more effective goals, right? And, and how to write better initiatives. And, and that just takes time and effort. Nobody, nobody does it well, including me. I mean, nobody does it well out of the gate. Um, and, and you learn some things, but, you know, again, once you, once you go through the cycle two or three times, um, you get pretty good at it because you know what worked before and you, you have all this data to go back and review and, and, you know, that, that obviously adds to the development process, you know, for the next year. Monte, th this is great stuff. And I know this is a very basic question for you, um, but how do you measure a strong or a healthy company? How would I personally do that? Yeah. Based on your experience and what you've seen, I mean, because it's got to be a huge gamut of different types of businesses and, you know, some are just producing revenue um, and that's all they care about. But do you look at other areas where you say this is a solid company for these reasons? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can answer that from two perspectives. Um, the first one just being my, my first career um, and, and, and more in a general sense, but where, where there's consistent leadership, um, things, things tend to run much better, you know, because people, um, people know what they're dealing with. People understand the business. Yeah. Um, it's know. not a flavor of the week or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you're not, you're not dancing up and down the hallways and keeping people at bay all the time, trying to understand what, you know, what, what's going on. Um, and then, and then, you know, in my, in my current role, um, I, I would tell you that it's the, it's the same thing, you know, consistent leadership helps, but it's the cultural um, aspect of the organization. When you have, when you have people that know that, you know, their, their voice counts, that what it is they do is important and that is meaningful to the company. Um, those are, those are great companies to work for. I mean, anybody who can, who can find that. Um, it, it really shouldn't be us going in and interviewing for a job. We should be going in and interviewing the leadership to, to determine whether or not we want to work there. Uh -huh. um, because so many times we, we hear a name, we hear a brand reputation, you know, something that intrigues us about working for a certain company, but we have no idea what they're like on the inside. Right. Uh, and, and, and if they're, if they're, 
if they're the same on the inside as they are on the outside, they're, they're generally a pretty good company to work for. And, and, and then obviously you can get into the financial metrics sure. and all that, but. Yeah. I love those, those answers though. I think that flows. I, I Leadership think and culture. Yeah. yeah. It's it's great great stuff. Right Have you implemented any of the goal setting strategies you learned for in the corporate world for your personal life? Um. Yeah, believe it or not, I have a performance agreement. And with uh, yourself? Yeah. Well, with the with the owner of uh, of the, the, the system that I use. Yeah. So I have a, I have oh, okay. A, I have a thirty day every thirty day call with him where we talk about you know how I'm doing and I, I yeah I set up goals. Mine mine are on a calendar year, so I'll I'm I'm in the process of rewriting mine you know for next year. Um. And I'm talking I have, about personal life, not like not career or, or well, work. The reality is you 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 put personal development into execution management. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be the entirety of your of your performance agreement, but it should be a part of it. So so say you have five or six goals every year, you know, a couple of them should be tied to your own personal development. So, totally so, agree. Yeah, so, so I do put, I do put personal goals in, into it, um, you know, in addition to work. I mean, yeah. to me, so there's life no, work is not always separate, right? I mean, no, there's no work. Life. I, exactly. That's a myth. I yeah. mean, you, you have to, you have to integrate the two. We can't, you know what, we just wear it on our sleeves too much. And it's, and, and I don't know about you, Harry, but I, you know, when I grew up in the corporate world, you know, it was taboo to bring anything from home to work. Right. You know, and that's just a, that's just a losing formula now. I mean, if you, if you want people to be really productive and supportive of your organization, you've got to support and care for them. And if, if you know, they've got a huge issue at home, then you've got a huge issue at work. Yeah. No, that's so true. Oh, I, mean, I love that. They got a huge up. issue. Yeah. Sorry, Harry. I just hurt. had to. Re- that, no, I'm so sorry. That I just uh, that was just probably one of the best lines I've I've heard in a long time. If they've if they have a huge issue at home, you have a huge issue at work. I love that line. Sorry, Harry. I'm sorry for interrupting. Well, I think you you can go on that. I mean, so I was in the, you know, keep your personal life personal, right? <laughs> Whenever, you know, that's just the way I was brought up in business. And, you know, for years when someone would bring up something personal, I would say what I, what I had the mantra, right? You got to learn to keep the personal stuff personal. And you just can't say that anymore, right? I mean, that's really where you're going. So I think we've had to make big adjustments and not everyone makes those. I know I struggle with it. Yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's a hard thing, but that's, that's really why we center execution on the manager and the direct report, because we want them building that rapport. We want that trust and respect built up to the point of, um, you know, if, if, if the, uh, direct report has an issue at home and they want to confide in their boss and they say, you know, this is a reason why I'm, I'm struggling. And, um, you know, you, you want that to happen because if it's not happening, then generally they're probably lying to you and hiding other things from you. 
You yeah. know, it just just goes without saying yeah. because there's no trust there. Why? Why would you tell them something that could potentially end your career or stop the paycheck from coming in? Sure. And you have a uh, cost of employee turnover as well that you have to be concerned about if you are saying, you know, what I said earlier, keep the personal stuff personal. So definitely has evolved. I mean, there's no question about that. And do you feel like your business can help companies see that, that there is no separation, there is no work-life balance? Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. I mean, I think it really, you know, again, it's, it's not, it's not so much what my system does as the cultural elements that leadership puts in place. Mm -hmm. right. And, and so if, you know, if, uh, again, if they see it happening above them, you know, then more than likely they're not going to be fearful of, of repeating it. So, so really if leadership's creating the environment that allows for, you know, for psychological safe conversations to happen, and, and people to be open about things, um, then then there's no question about it. They're they're gonna they're gonna share those things, and uh, things are gonna be better off. Because then at least you know if you know if your if your wife is um, pregnant, and you know you've got kids in daycare, and you know you you're, you're being hammered from a bunch of different directions. You don't want to give that person a a key project that you're working on. You know, <laughs> I mean. You, you, you mean you, you obviously want to help them through it so you can get them back to where they're normally productive. But um, you know, if, if you know those things, you can, you know, you can delegate much better. You can you can lead. You can direct. You know, so so, so much better. And and let's, well, let's face it, it, as good as we all are, we all have crap in our closet and stuff that that happens. And and. Um, nobody's immune to that. So you, you can't just say, well, it never happens to, you know, it never happens to Eric or Harry. Um, it does. It's yeah, just a matter absolutely. of time. We, you know, wait. Everybody appreciates that when they know if it happens to me, I've got a backstop. I, I know these people have my back and I've got theirs. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thanks, Monty. So where can people find you? Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn would love to connect with anybody who's like-minded and, and really interested in, um, you know, strategy execution, leadership development, social and emotional learning. Um, those to me are, are kind of the, the hallmarks of, you know, where I, where I live. Um, so yeah, so LinkedIn and then uh, my website is uh, www.clarifydeployachieve.com. Um, and uh, they can they can go on there, subscribe to my newsletter, get um, get information about what it is I do, and, and really get my personal contact information from there if needed. Awesome, Monty. Thank you so much. And do you recommend any books for our listeners that you're reading right now that can help with uh, execution? Um, well, I, I can do a couple of things. First, first thing I would say is read as much as you can. There's just so many great books. Um, so, so if you're, if you're actively reading and you, you know, you're, you're growing, I mean, if you're going to be a growing learning organization, you, you've got to read. Um, probably the, the most effective books that I've read lately, um, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Um, and I'm, it's it's authored by three people and they all have kind of odd names like i'm trying to recall look up we'll look find up, the book uh, you'll see it but 
But that's one of those books that kind of puts everything together. The, the person who recommended it to me said, this is a Piat book. And I said, a Piat book? What's that mean? He goes, puts it all together. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, I, and I read it and, and said, you know what? He was right. This, was, this is a really good book. Um, another one, and I'm, I'm just finishing this now, is, and this is an older book, but um, Mindset by, by Carol Dweck from Stanford University. You know, really identifying the differences between a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Um, absolutely a classic that, that anybody, you know, in business should, should read. Um, so, so those two books in particular have, have stood out to me, but uh, I, I read a couple a month. So, um, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of, a lot of good ones lately. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for those. It's been a real pleasure, Monty. You're awesome. We're so glad that you're on the show with us. Uh, you have a wealth of knowledge and understanding of people and business. So we're thrilled to have you. I mean, I learned a ton, took a ton of notes and uh, I want you as leader, man. You're awesome. <laughs> well, thank, thanks guys. I, I, again, I, I, I'm in awe of what you do and uh, I've, I've learned from, you know, several of the podcasts that I've, that I've listened to that, that you guys have. So, you know, it, 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 it goes both ways. And, and that's what this is all about. You know, we, um, you know, life's too short for us to go through business and, and, you know, our personal and social lives without, you know, without doing it well. And, and, you know, from what I can see, you guys are helping facilitate that. So uh, it's great to be a part of it. Thank you, Monty. It was a pleasure to have you on. Compliment. Yeah, great stuff. All have right. From here to there, you're going to grow because you've listened to our show. If you like our podcast vibe, don't be a stranger. Hit subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to join the B2B Sales Secrets Facebook group and we'll see you on the next episode.